Welcome to the Hallmark Cafe. I'm Michael. And I'm Diane. Come on in. Your table is ready. Welcome back to the cafe. Yeah, we're having a good time with this series. We didn't expect this to be part of our, you know, an initiative uh, podcast run, but um, I'm really liking it because we both like mysteries. Yeah, The Way Home is is a really good mystery. It is. I mean, you wouldn't. It's it's a story of a family. It's a story of uh, it's a journey. But boy, it's it's interesting. It is interesting. So it's we're a gonna, time twister. And I should mention this episode was directed by Grant Harvey, who also directed the pilot, and written this time by Alexandra. Clark. So the, the the Way Home episode two, well, let's see. Let's just recap briefly. In episode one, we saw Alice fall into a pond and emerge in 1999 to end up meeting her much younger mother and grandmother, grandfather, and a nine-year-old uncle, Jacob. When I realized that, I was like, that's our uncle. That's interesting. interesting. In present day, Kat and Del are frantically searching for Alice, and Elliot doesn't seem that worried. In episode two... Alice makes it back through the pond portal to her real time, and when she tries to tell her mom what happened, Kat is too angry to listen. Uh, at school, Alice does, does talk with Elliot, and they accept the fact that it happened and that Elliot knew about it. Kat's ex-husband, Brady, tells Kat that he secured a book deal for her if she'll write the story of Jacob's disappearance and the toll it took on the family. She doesn't want to do it, but when her high school nemesis tries to shame her by hiring her as a waitress, she changes her mind. Kat and Elliot talk about Alice as they sit in the loft of the barn. You know, Heather seems to like to use a, a loft location. I know that's similar to Heartland where there's, yeah, a, a, there's a loft with a bed and a, you know, a barn, a loft door. Kind looking of a, out a there. getaway kind place. Of interesting, yeah. yeah. But it works because it's a nice private place. It's an, an extra location exactly, to yeah. have those conversations. So anyway, they're sitting there talking in the loft uh, and... Um, uh, Kat says she doesn't really remember much about Alice, that Alice is more like an energy in her mind. When she, she asks, interesting. Uh, yeah, she asks uh, Elliot, do you remember Alice? And he sort of looks like, uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alice argues with her father on the phone, and in a peek, she runs to the pond to try to go back, but it doesn't work. Uh, evidently, the pond has a mind and a schedule of its own, or maybe it has to do with Alice's frame of mind when she, mm. you know, but... Uh, when Alice joins Dell at the farmer's market, she meets Byron, a possible new flame of her grandmother's. Uh, he runs the local paper and guards the archives. So Alice decides to go to the office and look up the news articles on Jacob's disappearance, since no one is telling her a damn thing. Well, she asks her mother's friend what happened, and she doesn't want to tell her. No. So. Yeah. So uh, just as she starts reading the articles, Dell arrives, takes her away, and says, yep, she deserves to know, but then that's the end of it. Okay. Like we believe that. Kat visits the cemetery and runs into Danny, someone from her past who seems to work there, uh, whom we see placing flowers on her father's stone. Danny seems rather furtive, and uh, why was he placing flowers? We don't know. Kat looks closer and sees Jacob's name and death date on the stone and realizes that Dell has had him declared dead. When Kat de confronts Dell, she starts to say that Dell pushed her away because Dell blamed Kat for mm -hmm. something. Uh, we don't get the entire sentence, so that's kind of inference. Uh, Del, Del tells Kat that there will be a memorial the next day that was planned way before she was even thinking about coming back because she needs to move on 
basically. The emotional moments at the memorial seem to bring Kat and Del closer together, and Alice confesses she doesn't want to leave. She wants to stay for her mom, for Del, and for Jacob. And then she goes back. So uh, that's that's a kind of an overview of the high points of the uh, of the episode. Um, I find writing these synopses, are, it, I don't want to get too play-by-play on it, but there are a lot of little clues going on, so you kind of have to mention them. Well, there's another scene that uh, you, I don't think you mentioned where she's, uh, Dell is driving Alice home, and she stops at the site of where uh, her, her husband, uh, where the accident was, because right, there's a cross right. there. Yeah. And she starts to, she does, ex- she does say some things to Alice, explain some things about what happened, about the accident. Well, yep. She does say that, um, you know, that uh, the grandfather was killed right at that spot in a right. car accident, but uh, she Three, doesn't really, we don't, we don't hear anything yet. All we know right. is from the news articles, which I, I really want to talk about. Well, she does about. say three months after Jacob went missing. She does say that. Yes, so that's, that's another, right. Another she said she, she lost her whole world. Right. In, uh, I think she says that to Alice. Kat and then said, Alice later. says, well, what about my mother? You know, and that's a, that's yeah. a pretty tough yeah, thing that's to hear. True. So, yeah, yeah, so. kind of a wake up call. Yeah, yeah. But so. uh, you know, as as we like to do, we we watch them twice, and then when we got to the newspaper articles, we we pause the recording and try to read them. She's I do that. With, I do that with every movie I watch. If I see a letter or if I see a news article, something that comes up, and they flash it up there briefly, I will catch it and then I'll read right. the darn thing because I want to know is there really anything there. And this was a really interesting one. Unless you're a speed reader, you wouldn't. Yeah. you wouldn't get it. But, but this is most a, people probably do this. She's watching. Looking at a microfilm of the newspaper article from way back from Jacob's disappearance in 1999. So. Yeah, and uh, what happens is uh, uh, in the, in the article, it's just really interesting. Um, well, let's see. Let's just ask the questions. You know, I think these this would kind of fall under secret ingredients. I think. Yeah, secret ingredients. Yeah. We always try to find those in these movies. You know, suddenly it's talking about Jacob. He was, uh, according to. Cat in the article, he was there one minute and gone the next. They were at a fair, I guess, and, and he was on the Ferris wheel. That was the last time they saw him, and right. then he suddenly disappeared. And uh, she w- it says in the article that she was there with a boyfriend. Now, who was the boyfriend? Could it have been Elliot? Is this Maybe. why they had to break up? Is this why she went someplace else and, you know, escaped? Who knows? Could be. Uh, or anyway, was it her future do, husband? You know, do you think, I love it when uh, they're at the pond and, and uh, Elliot, as a young man, asks, Alice, so who's your father? And she says, you, God, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? We don't know. We don't know that, no. No, we don't. So, um, but also in the article, it just starts talking about Gordon Stewart. Now, who the heck are Gordon Stewart? Right. I thought for a minute I was misreading it, but evidently it says that they were a year apart and their mother dressed them like twins and Stewart is mentally ill. And Gord, uh, according to the article, is standing under a poster on on a... telephone pole or something and mm-hmm. it says missing and underneath it's it's Stuart's picture and he doesn't know he's he's like I don't know what happened to him he, but, he's but just gone Stuart is according to this says 61 year old Stuart right. so what is that all about so what but is it's in that? the same article so they're it's in the same article but so we don't something. get to see the setup earlier that ha- must have happened in the article so we don't really know right it's why just those a, guys are mentioned, it's so. just oh okay so um but it does say you know Kat said he was by her side one minute and gone the next so and it does go on to say that the police were looking for him, but they right, and they sure. only found so was the bicycle. All they found was this bicycle, and they but don't. But they know. don't really say where the bicycle was found. Well, no, they say it was about found at the fairgrounds, and they don't know why it would would have been there. It did say that in the article. Oh, okay. So, so oh. I read the rest of the screen. So. But it says, <laughs> yeah. Well, it does say that that they, they the police went out and you know searched the ocean 
to, in case he fa- fell in the ocean. Right. Why would they think that he went to the ocean? I don't know. I don't know, unless... but earlier, Dell goes to the ocean and looks over a cliff at the she ocean. She does. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know what that's all about. And what's up with the old boat? We don't know. There's, well, there's... that's in a preview of next week. There's a there's, there's a, a yeah something. But I've said from the beginning when she pulled up, I said, why why is that boat there? Yeah. So you know, you figure everything in this show. Means, means something. something. <laughs> now, there's another thing that, that means something. We don't know what. And that's the date on the almanac where they write the birth and death dates. And it's right. 1814. So does that have anything to do with this opening scene of episode one when she's, when someone is running through the woods? We don't know. Um, how This is going to be interesting. How do, they, how do they weave the story of how they did start the farm? When did, how did that happen? You know, right. Who started it? Who when, started when the farm? When did it start, actually? Mm-hmm. I don't know, 1814, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So that is, um, you know, that's that, the, the, the setup in a nutshell. It just leads you with more questions. It was, but a, it was a pretty serious episode. There were a couple of kind of funny lines at one point when, when uh, Alice, the, in the past, is leading young Elliot back to the pond because she's going to jump in the pond. Uh, his line is, uh, no way that guy becomes president. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I wonder who he was talking about. <laughs> I don't know who he was talking about, about but it was know. a really funny line. It was pretty um, funny. Anyway, so uh, that, that those are the highlights of the show. Uh, I, I thought it was a very good second episode. Uh, but, you know, as second episodes go, you have to kind of explain some more stuff. It was yeah. a little bit more dramatic and intense at the beginning, but it kind of warmed up at the end as these kind of barriers came down. You know, I the noticed characters. that the, uh, the the music changed a little. It was mm-hmm. very serious all the way through. And then at the very end, when Alice says to her mother, you know, I want to, you came back here for me. I know I want to stay for you. And the music totally changes. Right. But, but I will say I was surprised because it's so effective to have some kind of song in the, episode you and, and are, there was nothing you were I thinking the nothing. same i was well, really I'm, wanting to hear I, something i really enjoyed the theme the music the song they used in the opening the movie yeah uh last week thought and it i been thought that was going to be the theme and i i i was dis- uh, surprised and kind of disappointed that the show just goes to a title card there's no theme song and i love a theme song i, know. I just really Sets really do especially even if it's um just like, under I the opening credits chesapeake shore is over and over again and i love the theme song it's oh cool the theme song you know, but maybe I'm old fashioned, but even Heartland has a great theme song. So yeah. there's something about attaching a, a theme song to a show that just kind of gives it something. And I was disappointed there was no theme yeah, song. So I'm just, I'm going on record saying that. That's and it. I was just surprised because I know Heather's really, the, the music means a great deal. Yeah, it, it could have been a timing thing or a yeah, budget maybe. thing. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, maybe it could use, it could use something. I, yeah. you know. or, or like she would do in Heartland where she would throw in this incredible song at the end. You know, but yeah, uh, there was a little bit of a song at the end, but it was very kind of a snippet of one. So I thought, well, maybe they ran out of time or that was it. I don't yeah, know. Maybe, but, you know, maybe there were a lot of commercials in tonight's show. So yeah. apparently the sponsors are, you know, they're happy and they're there showing oh, up. And it was a ton of there's a lot of and, and big name sponsors. So yeah. I guess, you know, this is a prime spot. So I get that. Um, but if you want to uh, skip the commercials, it's going to be on it fall the following day. It's on Peacock. With, well, I, I've, I've with limited commercials. Limited, yeah. You get a, yeah. instead of a you know seven minute commercial break, yeah. it's um you know one minute. Right, and some things you most, you so. watch on Peacock have the commercials all at front, and there's no commercials. Yeah. But in this case, it probably is going to have and the. You know what yeah. I love the most because we'll probably watch it tomorrow just yeah. to see the credits yeah. on Peacock because they actually play the credits. They actually instead of squishing them down. And, and credits by the we mean the things at the end. The, the titles song. are at the beginning of the movie. I, this is one of those things about me. The titles are at the beginning. The credits are at the end. Right. <laughs> so uh, you can actually read the credits at the end of the movie. So. Yeah. So we'll find out some more things that we look for that 
that you can't find on IMDb yet because it's so new. So. And I think, you know, we sometimes we say we would like to send it back to the kitchen for something. That's the only thing I would send it back to the kitchen for is I'd love a theme song. But, you know, it's just being picky. But it's a really well-made show. The photography. Maybe we'll get one next week. Photography, uh, I think, let me see, was it Tom Best is the DP? Yeah, Tom Best is the B- DP. Uh, fantastic photography. And, of course, uh, uh, Keith Powers' music is there. Beautiful scoring. It's just a really classy production. I would like to say also that Andy McDowell in this episode really oh, gets to show her, her uh, you know, depth as an actress. It's a great part for her. And There's I'm just nobody like her. So excited she's in the show. I mean, you know, so. th- there are a lot of great actresses yeah. over the decades. You know, yeah. you think about Meryl Streep and yeah. all these people, but I'm telling you, Andy McDowell just, wow. <laughs> she, she really she, it's a, she takes it to another level it's a great role for her and i'm so glad yeah. she's perfectly cast in this movie yeah. so so if you haven't seen this series we recommend you catch up with us it while you can uh it's a really great series and, and i'm excited that hallmark's showing this type of series and you rec- you realize that when at the end of the series here comes the golden girls theme and it's like <laughs> what the it's that's <laughs> like, like jumping into I a reach diff- for the mute that's different just jumping into a different pond it's like whoa that, talk about time travel it's just weird it's even an airplane from 1975 oh, or something it's so. just strange but right. uh, so but it's a new new deal a new day for hallmark check it out um, and we'll be right back home. with dessert voice like yours unlike any other voice like yours has finally come like the sound of your soul echoing mine a voice like yours says it all to me hallmark cafe is brought to you by rolling home records the home of original music by michael and diane killen visit rollinghomerecords.com to find streaming links to your singles and tracks from their albums and be sure to find Diane's single, Tonight I'm Gonna Fall in Love, as featured in the Hallmark movie, Where Your Heart Belongs, on your favorite streaming platform. Now I'm learning that a voice like yours can harmonize with one like mine. We have found the notes we can play. Hi, welcome back to the cafe. Yes, we're happy you're here today. We uh, we just finished the main course, which was, of course, The Way Home, episode two on uh, Hallmark. And now we're going to move into dessert. I so, love dessert. Now, we, we, we've had a... This is an interesting dessert menu because, in a sense, we're talking about three... Well, we're not really talking about... There, there were three different movies in this series. It started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this, yes, of course, we're talking about the Wedding Veil series with uh, Lacey Chabert, Autumn Reeser, and Allison Sweeney. And um, this was the one we liked the best of all three of them. Uh, it is. So we decided to feature this one. In fact, it's... For a lot of different reasons. It's, it's uh, my favorite, even from the three that were on last year. That's true. This is the sixth yeah, yeah. movie in the series, so... Yeah. And I think that... Uh, I don't know why we, well, we'll get into why we like this one the best. I'm sure we will. So, well, let me tell you about this movie. Uh, But who, um, who directed this, Michael? Oh, this was directed by Ron Oliver and uh, written by Karen Berger. Well, we, that's one of the reasons we liked it so much because we love anything Ron Oliver does. He's a very creative director. Genius. Um, So this movie is part three of this year's trilogy, of course, with uh, Lacey Chabert and Autumn Reeser. And uh, uh, Allison's character, Tracy, 
uh, in her wedding veil love, uh, Nick, who's played by Victor Webster, um, taking time from their two ships passing in the night marriage for a much postponed honeymoon. They randomly choose Greece by literally spinning a globe. Mm-hmm. Um, when they arrive exhausted at their destination a day late, they find they have no place to stay because they had decided to wing it and just book one night and then see what happens after that. So they miss their reservation uh, because they had flight delays. They're exhausted and there's no room at the inn. No room at that inn. So, and this is not even a Christmas movie. So there you go. <laughs> no. So someone in the lobby overhears their predicament and offers to take them to a nearby island where some friends of her, her uh, brother and sister have a hotel that they're refurbishing. Once there, they dramatically and comically... Wait a minute. Wait, now, would you fall for that? It sounded a little like, sure, I'm going to get on a boat well, with you. Well, and that's exactly what <laughs> that's, Nick and that's Tracy say. say, is... <laughs> Oh, we're from New York. We we don't really want to get a shakedown in the middle of the Aegean Sea. But they do it anyway. So. And I still wonder how many. It's really interesting. We'll talk later about because Ron Oliver's a really funny writer right. as well. And I I have to say there's probably many moments that I can I can almost hear his voice saying these some of these lines that are put in there. But not to diminish um, Karen's work at right. all. But I just I have a feeling. He, well, he I always think he's, he's probably going to throw in some references to some classic movies. Yeah, so that's there true. you go. So um, anyway, they comically arrive by donkey and they meet a cast of locals, including Leo, a young orphan boy who has a talent for sketching, Tessa and Xander, the brother and sister who own the hotel, and two other guests at the hotel, Lady Talton and her bachelor grandson, Colin, who very quickly falls for Tessa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xander is the chef, but his food is inedible. So, uh, and... Hysterically so. (laughs) But his food is inedible. So Nick starts sneaking down to the kitchen at night to replace his meals. Have you ever done that? No, because my food is inedible too. (laughs) That's why I do the cooking. As you know. That's not my thing. Oh, man. That's why I'm up in the middle. Where is Michael? He's in the kitchen in the middle of the night cooking something. No, you don't have to do that. You just cook for dinner. (laughs) You don't have to sneak around. I'm just like, go ahead, Uh honey. What are we having for dinner? You have anyway, many gifts, dear, many yeah, gifts. That's not one of them. So Tracy and Nick finally relax, but the veil keeps mysteriously escaping to Colin's room, and he and Tessa become closer thanks to the machinations of his grandmother, who evidently is re- retired like MI6 or something, double O. MI7, MI8. One of those MIs. One of those MIs. So uh, Leo steals Tracy's heart from the beginning, and soon Nick's as well, and as they grow more fond of him and decide to help him reunite with his uncle, the other veil girls crash the honeymoon. Which I thought was... Of course they do. Well, they had to be in the movie. They had to just be in the movie. And there are some delightful tours of the area, uh, which is a character all its own. Uh, They decide to help the local orphanage, or academy as it's known, to raise money. And uh, we can all see where it's going from here, but the journey is is just a wonderful journey to follow. And just beautiful, stunningly beautiful location. And I guess the first time anyone's ever been allowed to film at the Acropolis. On the, the Lindo Acropolis... So this this movie was uh, filmed in a couple different places, but the island of Rhodes is fantastic. I mean, beautiful. And I think it was, you know, they have to walk up all these stairs and bring all this equipment up there to do it. So it was quite an accomplishment to and do then it. So tuck it out of the way when they did yeah. the drone shot at the end. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. So, you know, very impressive. I could see that on the pages, you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk where today? Yeah. I mean, how early did the crew have to get up there? I don't know. And did they bring any food? <laughs> 
That's really important. You, and you can't forget something. Oh, I've got to go down 400 steps. Uh, so. They could have a drone bring wanna, it up, I suppose. You don't want to be a PA on that. This, kind of a drone. Don't want to be a PA on this movie. Oh, that'd be tough. But, I would have I done it, though. But I, I, I like this movie. I love location movies. Um, and I'll be the first to say, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Wedding Veil, you know, concept. Although I really like these actors and uh, all the people who've been involved in making these movies, the directors, and they're all very talented people. This one really stood out to me because it had, I think, the best pacing and all the humor. Well, it almost didn't matter that it was a wedding veil. Movie. No. If, they, if you had just taken that whole thing out, it still would have been a good movie. A really great yeah, movie. Yeah, so yeah. Just and and I, didn't mind, I didn't mind the other, the other ladies showing up because they had fun. No, they had a they had a reason for being you know, there. It was, it was all in the, all in humor and yeah. uh, and the story of them of Alice and Sweeney. And I have to say, Allison was really good in this movie. She was. I mean, she's you know she gives I think the best performance of all the Vale movies. I think. I think so. And and that's saying something because they're all good. I they're mean, all, all good, the actors yeah. are good. Yeah. Autumn and Lacey are fantastic. But yeah. Allison, I don't know if that's um, due to her, um, you know years and years on Days of Our Lives. Uh, I, I remember the day she walked on to Days of Our Lives. She was 16. Wow. And, and I found out, I, I when I looked it up, to see when she had joined the cast there, and it was January 1993. Wow. And um, it's actually January 6, 1993, I wow. think it was. And, uh, but I remember her, her storyline, and she just was a fireball right from I, the very I like beginning. To say, I've seen her performance on that show as a pass through the living room and you're watching the show. But she yeah. doesn't play a very nice character in that show. Uh, she she plays a very, um, I don't know, a character with a lot of sides to her, mm. you know? Yeah. And that, that's the thing about it. I mean, you know, after watching her for, what, 30 years, I guess, right. she's been on the show and, you know, she's... Uh, She's she's played every range of ima- imaginable, you know. She's uh, played scheming and heartbreak and love and hate and scheming and kidnapping and, <laughs> and kidnapped. More scheming. And more scheming. Uh, did I mention scheming? <laughs> uh, but no one plays the part of love with the depth of different colors better than Allison, I think. I mean, she just has a way of letting you in with, it's like... I, I don't know. There's a, there's a thing she does when she well, when she's doing a scene. You that, really believe that she really cares for this kid, Leo, and 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 the the kid that plays him, uh, Shay Grant. His first movie, uh, the kid's great in this movie. I mean, and and it would have been a big. I think problem I would adopt if, him, and we've never wanted kids. No, so, it'd have been a big you know. problem if he wasn't a good uh, little actor, and he was great. Yeah, uh, it yeah. really, you really felt a connection between all of them, and that was very powerful that yeah. that made the story believable you know well what else made it believable for me was the chemistry between Allison and Victor yeah they, I mean, they feel like a real couple yeah they feel like a and not just like a real couple but a real couple like having real couple things to deal with and you just you feel like they've known each other for a long time yeah they, you yeah. know they really I love that scene where the headmaster comes and, and kind of you know shakes down uh uh, Allison's Allison. character, and and then Victor steps in and says, "Don't speak to my wife that way again." That was a good scene. Yeah, he know. didn't even raise his voice. No, in fact, he got really quiet. He's so yeah. lo- he's so tall and big. It's like you you would be scared. And he has a, also a really nice scene uh, talking to young Leo yeah. at the top of the Acropolis. Oh yeah, uh, that's really sweet. I no, mean, it it, he was. It, was, it it was yeah, yeah, they went. Oh. Yeah, yeah, don't you, yeah. They're, they're I thought Acropolis. it was down by the seawall. Oh, by the oh, someplace. Anyway, there was a cat in the scene, and the cat never moved. It was pretty good. Yeah, I don't know how they got that cat to yeah. stay still for all that I time. I think I've read that, you know, uh, Greece is famous for lots of cats and dogs. I don't know. if that, Is that right or around. not? Whatever I, it was, it was no a idea. real cat, so. and 
it was funny because it was sitting in a certain position and when uh victor sat down um the cat was kind of hidden and then a couple of minutes later the cat was kind of off to the side we could see him again so they evidently huh. in between they kind of moved the cat, cat a little bit cat. but he stayed in the same position cat took a lunch break yeah i guess so it, there's it's a uh, required so i kept watching the cat is it, it going to move nope Never moved. Just but there were some there. funny scenes in the in the the movie, which is great. And we find out, of course, the, like the the Jane Asher, uh, who plays the the mother, uh, Lady Dalton. Uh, and of course, Jane Asher is a famous uh, you know English actress, and it was fantastic that she's in this movie. Um, and um, you know, she turns out to be the the, the spy who's kind of sneaking away with the uh, oh yeah, that's true. The veil. Veil. I suppose we should mention the veil since yeah. the movie's about the it veil. It's about the wedding veil. Evidently, they have the mail the veil because they're taking it to. Victor's niece or somebody, his sister, isn't it? sister, somebody yeah. who's who wants to Into get married, Spain. And doesn't have any right. anybody yet. I mean, so this veil is all is, is everywhere, and the veil is always just like sitting on a hanger. That's what cracks me up. Just the this, like this exquisite piece ancient of lace veil, it's on it's this just on wire, a hanger. wire hanger, <laughs> not even on a one of those nice soft cushy hangers. It just oh, man is funny. Anyway, but, but you know, so now do you believe in the veil? I personally, I'll just tell you, not a believer in the veil, but I did like this movie. So. I, I, was, I thought I found that I was a believer in Ron Oliver. Yes, <laughs> that was. I, was I thought believer. he was having fun with this movie. There's a part where he's talking. They're talking about, uh, I'll be your uh, Daniel. I'll be I'll your be McGarrett your Sherlock to, to, to you, Watson to Sherlock, and, and I'll be your Daniel to McGarrett to Daniel, and then. Nick, and then he makes a Nick and Nora yeah, joke, was, which is jumped right out, which is really great. Thin man thing. So all of these things combine for an entertaining film. Beautiful uh, to look at. Now, let's not let's not go too far without mentioning the wardrobe. I mean, oh, oh my The wardrobe is good, the, wasn't it? Wow. The, the 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 wardrobe, every outfit that Allison wore yeah. was stunning. Apparently, there's the one the, the people who do the wardrobe for all of these movies uh, is uh, uh I guess they're called the wardrobe girls. Well, hats off to them. Fantastic. If I may make a wardrobe reference. Yeah. She, man. They, uh, I noticed Allison's uh, outfits were fantastic. There were a lot of them, you know, but uh, she looked beautiful. Um, and the colors of this movie, everybody was wearing really, you know, rich colors. And, and yeah, even just, just even the headmaster was well-dressed. It was just a nicely conceived wardrobe scheme for this movie. And, you know, they, they uh, wardrobe, I mean, you don't really think about that often unless it's really bad or really great. Right. And I'll tell you, this was really great. And I, I know when I used to work for Maury, my office was actually in his, his dressing room suite, which was like two or three rooms. And I had a, like an outer office. And the wardrobe girls would come in every day and they worked really hard. They went all over New York City to all these famous designers and big department stores and they'd come back with you know tons of you know suits and coats and ties and shirts and shoes and the whole nine yards and they were working like all day long just finding things and then bringing them back and he'd try them on and then they'd say you know they have to get it tailored or whatever but when you think about it that was a that was a a television uh, series and these are individual movies where they right. just have to get it done really quickly. I mean, they must have been pre-planning their wardrobe. Oh, of course, yes. For they months, had to, and they had to cart a lot of that stuff over there. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people think people wear just their own clothes in a movie, and sometimes that does happen. Not, I don't. But not yeah. in this case. So. I think they just. It was stunning. Yeah. I, my, I just. We can talk about this. Well, I, for I can a while, tell you I kind of a funny story. When I did a, a special for NBC, that was a Disney special, and it was a sports special. We had a lot of sports people in the show. Um, it's kind of like a sports comedy show. And so we, uh, had to get all this wardrobe for all the skits that were in the show. It was a skit show. 
and we had uh, Brian Boitano was in the show. So he has the uh, Olympic skater, yeah, yeah. figure skater. Yeah. So yeah. He, he had to have wear a suit in the segment he was in. So we got him a nice suit. And so after the show was over, we had all the, all this wardrobe, you know, that we'd gotten for all the the actors. And um, and so we had the stuff. And I and the Brian Boitano suit was there. I said, and I did not have a suit. And you were about the same size. Yeah. It was a little shorter. <laughs> so I said, well, I'll take the suit. So I, for years, I wore the Brian Boitano suit. Did, did I ever see that? I don't think I ever I don't saw think, that. I, that was before, before I, my time. It was gone. Well, and we've been married no, for 25 had, years. So. I still had it when I met you because this was 1987. We did a special, so I still had it. But I never wore it. I don't wear suits very often. But eventually, I, you know, I got a different suit. But yeah. I, I wore that suit for years. So uh, sometimes a uh, wardrobe gets divvied up at the end with the, you know, the production people. But And sometimes the actors get to keep it. I don't know what happens in this case, but... Well, I want, you know, I don't think anybody gets to keep the veil. At any no, rate, the veil. Oh, now, I have a feeling certainly this, not on that this wardrobe was probably a little expensive. I'm thinking because think there so, were some yeah. really, really yeah. beautiful pieces in yeah. there. And, and, uh, and of course we should mention since it's one of the veil movies that of course, Tessa and Colin fall in love. And, uh, oh, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, Tessa and Colin the fall Greek in love innkeeper falls in love with the British, uh, Royal, Royal guy, sort of I, I, guy. Lady Dalton's I uh, nephew. Yeah. And so that's who they're going to get. Obviously, once the veil touches them, that's they it. are doomed. Uh, the wrong I mean, word. No. They're yeah. they're uh, <laughs> they're going to get married. Face. So and it's really sweet. But all of both all of the actors and the Greek actors in this uh, movie, and I won't try to pronounce some of their names, were really terrific. Yeah. Really well. The whole thing was really well cast. You know, and so. really well thought out. And like I said, you know, it was a it was a really really good movie in. And maybe I shouldn't say in spite of the veil story, but uh, you know, um, outside of the veil story, it was it would have right. even without that in it, it would have just been a great movie to and watch. And the movie grabs you from the beginning. It starts with Michael Bublé singing "Sway with Me," and I know that must have been a Ron Oliver choice. He loves opening theme songs yeah. and, and that music was like really that. and that was really effective too. The yeah. way to show them, you know, not right. Um, to the the way to show them. Being the two ships passing in the night, the way they had the post-it notes and, and, and that all song that stuff, is playing, so, you yeah. know, really lively song. But you can see there, that's a really well done opening sequence. Yeah. It grabs and, your you attention. Know, who who can't love Michael Bublé? So right. So, so and then of course Terry Frewer's music was really good. I think he's done all three of these movies. Great composer that he is. So uh, all of that was good. I just uh, I, I have nothing else yeah. to say about it. Other that's than, it. You, you know, should watch it. If you even can, if you don't on, you like the whole wedding veil concept, this particular movie was really good. So, And I have to say, I'm so glad they didn't make her get pregnant because that would have been like too that, over the top. How Come they on. did it with her, you know... Uh, Adopting a kid, that's yes, a good thing. Fantastic. It was, really, it was, it was much more effective, very believable. I think, than and the other two stories. And, you know, where it kind of makes you tear up, you know, when, yeah. when they're talking about this kid. And you can feel people, it. You know, when you can feel something from a movie, that's really working, you know, yeah, so, so. so that, that, that worked for me. All right. Well, that's it. You've... Uh, frittered away another half an hour on a, on a podcast with us. How do you like that? I uh, hope it was fun and you're near your exit. <laughs> yeah, no, wait till the lights come on and then exit carefully. All right, so we'll see you next time on the Hallmark Cafe. Where love is always on the menu. Hallmark Cafe is a copyrighted program produced by High Horse Productions. Our theme song was written and performed by Diane Killen and the Hallmark Cafe illustration was created by Daniel Killen. Be sure to find Hallmark Cafe on Instagram and check out our Facebook group.